This is Sports Talk with Phil Cornblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. Well, hey, good evening, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Back in our Dave and Buster studios in Columbia, Phil Kornblut and Pat Daniel here. And from the Bergie Palace in uh, wonderful, wild, and woolly Sardis, it's Chris Bergen on this uh, Wednesday night. Open up the phone lines for you early to get into us here, 888 And we'll talk about what's been going on today and last night's Clemson up at Wake Forest. Tigers take their first loss in ACC play. They weren't going to run the table. I think everybody knows that. Last team to go undefeated in regular season ACC play was Duke in 1998-99. They went 16-0. Now you're playing 20 league games, and you know Clemson's not going to win 20 league games. But I think the hope is to maybe go 15-5, 16-4 maybe, and that would be a heck of a of a season, and that would – Certainly put them at the top or near the top of the ACC and very high in the siege for the ACC tournament and certainly clinch an NCAA tournament berth for them. But they got a lot of work, of course, still to do. They played shorthanded last night. Not having Chase Hunter, I think, was a factor. They turned it over nine times in the second half, and Wake Forest converted a good number of those turnovers into points, so that hurt. But you give you know Clemson credit in that they fell behind double digits, fell behind 15 Cut it to six a couple of times. But I tell you, Wake Forest has got a good team now. Uh, They won 13 league games last year and didn't make the NCAA. And they're on course to do better than that this year. They got nice bigs. They got a couple of guards that can shoot it from deep. They do a nice job of penetrating and dishing it back outside for the three-pointer. They got a good team. They're well coached. Steve, uh, Steve Forbes, uh, B.J. Mackey. had a chance to talk to B.J. Mackey after the game, catching up with him he just uh really likes it there in winston-salem likes the basketball on tobacco road so keep an eye out for wake they host virginia on saturday and that place will be packed and that should be a a really good game meantime the gamecocks last night not much competition chris for Ole miss Ole miss came in zero and five in the league what we said you know that was a little bit misleading in that they had played a very difficult league schedule to that point and uh they Put the Gamecocks really away, what, in, in the second half? And they didn't have much of a response to the run that Ole Miss uh, put on them in the second half. And so that's another uh, home defeat for South Carolina. And the season is slipping away quickly from Lamont Paris and the Gamecocks staff there. Though, I mean, look, you got to be honest and you got to you got to be fair in the evaluation and the expectation. And, I mean, really – I know when G.G. Jackson signed with South Carolina, you know, some people thought, okay, that's going to make all the difference in the world. And I know I said, well, wait a minute. Not really, because you got to have other players, good players. Georgia had the best player in the country a couple of years ago, number one pick in the draft, number two pick, whatever it was. And they won like six or seven games that year, maybe eight or nine. They weren't very good. So one guy by himself can't turn you around. 
and he's not playing all that well either. So he's not playing all that well, can't do it all by himself, and that's why you're in the situation that you're in. Normally in college basketball, you can almost get away with two really, really good players, perhaps a third. You look at Clemson's team, and you can pick out three or four of their guys. They're the key contributors every night, and that's why they've been successful. You're right about G.G. Jackson not being able to do it by himself. I anticipated, though, they would get much more on a consistent basis from Michi Johnson out of the backcourt. And one thing the Gamecocks are doing, and Lamont Paris touched on this after the game last night, Phil, he said he liked the energy. There's no question they played harder last night than they did on Saturday against um, – Oh, good grief, Texas A&M, mm-hmm. uh, but certainly played better. But still, they settled for way too many three-pointers. And I'm not sure who told Gigi he's a good three-point shooter. He needs to work the ball and get inside. He needs to go to the basket more often. They don't attack the rim enough. They don't get enough easy shots. Everything they shoot is a long-range three that's contested sometimes, or it's Michi Johnson standing out by the logo trying to throw it in from midcourt. They just settle, in my opinion, for way too many threes. They were 6 of 24 last night. They're not a very good shooting team to begin with, and you compound that with taking what what I think are bad shots from the wrong people at times, and you, you get into a situation where you have guys you anticipate scoring. Three of 15 from three-point range in Michi Johnson and, and Gigi Jackson, and you're not going to beat anybody, especially even a bad Ole Miss team. Yeah, and now you got a, a really good Auburn team coming in on a Saturday. Is this going to be the third straight Saturday massacre for the Gamecocks at it could the very well be. CLA? I mean, that would be an opportunity for you know, Auburn to put up a big number. They're they're deep, they're talented once again, and, and they're playing they're playing good good basketball. So it's going to be a, a tough road to hoe for the Gamecocks uh, moving forward. But there's always the USC women, and they mm-hmm. continue, you know, to be uh, a machine. And they go to and Vanderbilt. They to, and unlike the men's team, they play to their strengths. They're really good on defense, and they're tremendous inside. And that's what Dawn Staley has done. And in mm-hmm. fairness, yeah. Dawn Staley has been there a long time and built this program into what it is now. It's unfair, and I know you're not trying to do that, oh, no. but it's unfair to compare the women and the men because Lamont Paris is, in his first season, inherited some players, had to bring players in from all over the country and trying to blend them into a, a unit in time to play a competitive basketball in the SEC, and that was probably unrealistic at the time. So, But, yeah, the, the ladies play to their strength, and that's why they're as good as they are. And keep in mind, too, that, I mean, look, she struggled out of the gate mm-hmm. with South Carolina until she started getting in some players. Frank Martin struggled out of the gate for a couple of years. Eddie Fogler struggled out of the gate. It takes time. So nobody is putting uh, any pressure on Lamont Paris. He should not feel any pressure. There shouldn't be any pressure on him because he's basically starting from ground zero and had to take in a bunch of transfers. And that's mm-hmm. not how you want to build a program by living off the transfer portal, John. I mean, you got to go get good high school players, bring them in and, and develop them. And We'll see what he does with this recruiting class that he's got right now and who, who he can add to it. Time will tell uh, who else he might bring in. But obviously, they got to upgrade the talent level across the board. But this current team, now there's no excuse for not playing hard. There's right. no excuse for not playing physically. And they don't do that. They don't play yep. a lot of physical basketball, and that's why they're getting killed by these teams. So we will hear from the two head coaches uh, tonight as we uh, reflect on those games from last night. Otherwise... Not much else to tell you about. I know Gamecock fans want to know more about Trajan Jeffcoat and the situation with South Carolina. I can't tell you anything more than what we said last night. And that is, um, I don't know if anything new today developed in any uh, area. I mean, uh, as we told you last night, they were still working on this thing, trying to figure it out and and, uh, figure out a way to 
to resolve it so it would work for South Carolina. Um, you know, needless to say, as you can tell how we've talked about it, it's a sensitive uh, situation. And um, I don't know, I can't tell you with 100% certainty if it's a situation where it's it's South Carolina, it's officials there that are, are throwing up a roadblock or it's something that they can't do anything about. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I can't tell you with clarity on that. Whatever you know, the, the situation is that right now he's not able to go to South Carolina. I can't tell you if it's because South Carolina, uh, when I say South Carolina people are working on it, the officials are working on it. Yeah, they're doing that. I can't tell you that it's somebody there or group there that's put up the stop sign or it's something following him from Missouri that automatically has put up the stop sign. So hmm. it's it's a it's a deep it's a deep situation that goes beyond just your simple um it's not a you know it's not a having to do with any kind of an arrest or you know legal thing you know like that. Um it's not an academic uh, thing either. It's not cut and dry like that. So just going to have to let it uh, play its way out one way or another and see if he can eventually get into South Carolina or if he has to go somewhere else. You know, people are you know, people are saying, well, you know, if he could whatever the situation is, if he could play at Missouri with it, why can't he play at South Carolina, you know? And that's a reasonable question to ask. Um if there are some rules in place that pertain to uh, a situation like this that stops a player from being able to transfer to another league school and play, you know, that could be that could be an issue. So I don't know. I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see what what comes of it. Comes well, of it. But what, from what I, I the best I could gather this afternoon from a couple people I've checked in with um nothing new to report there. Well, and here's what probably bothers a lot of Gamecock fans Phil is as you try and describe this, I can tell you're being very measured in your words, intentionally or unintentionally. I don't know, but it's it's fairly obvious it's if it's not something academically and it's not an arrest issue, you you have to ask well, then why can't he get into school if he could play at Missouri? And I don't know if USC benefits from coming out and saying this is why we couldn't let him in, or do you not want to throw the young man under the bus if it's all on him? Uh, this is a, a tough situation for a guy, as you pointed out last night, and I think accurately so. Could be a major, major plug-and-play type guy for them on that defensive front. No question about it. I mean, they they need each other. You know, He wants to be at South Carolina, closer to home, good situation for him, a good NIL deal with South Carolina apparently in place good enough and they could certainly use him after losing the players they've lost at defensive end after the surprising departure of uh jordan birch to uh oregon that leaves them kind of bare at that position so yeah this is a perfect scenario but uh unfortunately no there's an issue that hasn't been resolved yet and we're just going to have to wait and see if uh if it's eventually uh resolved to the satisfaction of of everybody involved all right, uh, phone number 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number here on Sports Talk. We invite your phone calls to talk college basketball about uh, last night or anything else uh, in college basketball you want to talk about or anything else you want to bring up related to uh, football, of course, always open for that. Since 2002, more than $4.2 billion in lottery proceeds have been used to fund scholarships and grants for South Carolina students learn more about the Education Lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash education wins and playing for fun is a win for education. Anything else on your mind tonight, sir? 
I'm sure we're going to get into. We've we've got to at least discuss just because we have fun with NIL the situation with Jaden Rashada, hmm. the quarterback at Florida, who's evidently backed out of a 13 million dollar NIL deal with the Gators because the financial backing fell through. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> Well, I hate to say that I told you so, but I do like to say I told you so, but I told you people way back when all this started, what was going to be one of the offshoots of it? There were going to be lawsuits, and there were going to be things alleged, and there were going to be contracts broken. Uh, And this, there may have been others that are not quite as notorious as this one. There may have been others, but this one is the one that's drawing all the attention because, Mm A, it's a prime player, and B, it's a... It's a huge contract. So, you know, this will be just, this may be the first one of its kind. I can guarantee you it won't be the last one of its kind. Okay, the phone lines are open. They're starting to heat up. Go ahead and grab one and love to talk with you tonight on this Wednesday. It's an SC Wild Night as well tonight. Major Downer will be with us. We're going to talk ducks at 7.30. Be back in a moment. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Hi, I'm Jim Corbett. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years. There's one thing I've learned about injury cases. It's you need the personal touch. You need the lawyer to get to know you and describe your damages. You don't want a case manager talking to an insurance company and then talking to you and then talking to maybe to a lawyer with limited experience at the last minute to try to settle a case. I talk to you. I find out what your case is about. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com for your injury cases. Hi, this is Major Billy Downer, and coming up tonight at 7.30, it's another edition of SC Wild from the Department of Natural Resources on the Sports Talk Media Network. Hope, life, and the great Palmetto. What do these things have in common? Scholarship dollars. The SC Hope, the life, and the Palmetto Fellow Scholarships are funded by the lottery players of this great state. And after 20 years, you've invested over $7 billion in education. $7 billion. Impressive. The South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Phil Kornblut and Pat Daniel here at the Dave and Buster Studios right here in the capital city of Columbia. Be sure to eat, drink, play, and catch all the big games all season long. Dave and Buster's, Greenville, Columbia, Myrtle Beach. All right, your phone calls, 888-898-2525. That's how you can reach us here on Sports Talk. We'll get to your phone calls in just a second. Other basketball tonight. We've got Auburn and LSU tipping off at 7 o'clock. you got Florida and Texas A&M tipping off at um, 7 o'clock. Uh, your second. 
I guess. It says 7 o'clock Central, but the last time I fell for that, they went by Eastern. <laughs> so I'm sticking with 7 o'clock Eastern. You're not you're fooling me from, again. Yeah, if you're reading from ESPN, they always put Eastern time on their, their tip time. No, they put Central time. ESPN does? Well, it says 7 p.m. CT. Huh. Yeah, but I know it's 7 o'clock Eastern, but it says 7 p.m. CT. I don't know why it says that, but it does. Virginia Tech in Virginia at 7. Furman, UT Chattanooga at 7. Wofford in Western Carolina. Winthrop in High Point. Presbyterian Upstate. Pitt and Louisville. Asheville, Charleston Southern. Arkansas at Missouri. Uh, that's at 9 o'clock. And then that's it for tonight. Uh, tomorrow night, Charleston plays at Monmouth. Coastal Carolina home to Appalachian State, uh, among others, tomorrow. Okay. Shall we get to the phone calls? Love to hear from people tonight, hear what's on your mind. We go to Keith in Camden. First with us tonight here on Sports Talk. Keith, great to have you. Welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, gentlemen? We're doing, I think, I can only speak for myself. <laughs> Fantastic, That's terrific. Keith. I had the, uh, not to get personal or anything, but I had the annual oil change today. And uh, oh. all good. All good for another year. Checked good, the oil, good, good. checked under the hood. Everything looks uh, looks good. So I hate to – every year K-Mac would be disappointed when I would come back and tell him I had another year to go. So <laughs> sorry, guys, you're going to have to wait another year. Yeah. Look, a rare miss. Uh, I missed last night, had a church meeting. But uh, uh, listening tonight and you, your opening comments about anybody want to call and talk about basketball, you, you, there, there's not a whole lot to talk about. I mean – it's like a pickup game. Uh, I'm open. I'm open. Shoot, shoot threes. Nobody drives to the basket. Nobody rebounds. I mean, it's so. Uh, my uh, question is: If I missed it last night, have we done anything on the running back position? So I'm gonna hang up and let other people get in line and talk. But um, it's a cluster with the basketball. Well, now, I don't know what in the world Tanner's, Tanner's thinking. You, uh, it's crazy. as far as your question about the running back position, now you're aware that in the early signing period back in December, they signed Dontavius Braswell out of Sandersville, yeah. Georgia, and they yeah. got the transfer, Mario Anderson, out of uh, Newberry, 5'11", 215. Right. Those right now would be the two uh, new running backs coming in to the program. As far as anybody else that uh, they're still looking at, they had – a, a junior, uh, not a junior college. They had a uh, transfer running back come in who had been committed to Washington already. He's a transfer uh, who has already committed to Washington, but he took another visit to uh, South Carolina, and we've not heard anything more from him about you know he hasn't commented about his thoughts or anything like that. He may be sticking. He may be sticking with um, his commitment to Washington at this point, and. Uh, as far as anybody else that the Gamecocks are recruiting at the running back position, and that's Dylan Johnson I'm talking about, a transfer from Mississippi State. And, you know, right now, don't have any other running back hard leads that they're looking at for this class. I mean, the players that we have for them that might still be a possibility would be the transfers, Eddie Lewis and Malik McClain, wide receivers, and Dylan Johnson, running back. They all visited last weekend. Uh, then you got receiver Elijah Caldwell from Northwestern who's visiting this weekend, and they're probably going to get him. 
And there's Nick Harbor, the tight end defensive end out of D.C. that they hope to get. They're in a battle for him. That's another one they're still involved with. Uh, and then there's the Trajan Jeffcoat situation, defensive end. That's still kind of hanging over him. So I don't have any other running backs, legitimate running back prospects. I'm sure they're still looking at the transfer portal, John, to see if there's some others. And keep in mind, though you might not fill it right now, there's another transfer period that opens up in May. So there could be a whole right. new crop of running back possibilities to look at if you have room to bring them in under your 85. Right, mm -hmm. right. Okay. All right, well, um, what do you, Phil, what do you think overall? Good move by Tanner, changing. I know I'm beating a dead horse, mm. but, man, this just is ugly. I'll hang up. Well, I'll have a good evening. Thank you very much. You know, anytime you change coaches, Chris, it's a roll of dice. Sometimes mm -hmm. you hit a home run, sometimes you strike out. I mean, it's a roll of dice. And almost universally at a place like South Carolina, when you change coaches, you lose a lot of players, uh, especially in today's world. Uh, you lose a lot of players. You're basically starting over. He is starting over. Uh, and I think you got to give him some time. I don't know oh, what absolutely. people expected out of. I think maybe getting Gigi Jackson kind of falsely raised the expectations. Fool's gold, I guess you could say. Fool's gold. And um, so you just got to suffer through a, a terrible year this year and see how he does on the recruiting trail for the rest of 23, uh, see who comes back. I would imagine with the players who will be leaving uh, in terms of their eligibility being up and then some other guys, I'm sure, who will be leaving who aren't playing a whole lot and that they don't see any playing time in their future. It might be a complete wipeout of this roster once again when you come back for next year. Well, and one of the things I think they are missing, and I hate to touch on this, but the fact that Ibrahim Adiba is not available for them this season mm, yeah. is a big loss for them because he, he would be that true point guard. He's a terrific defender, two things that they desperately need. He would have gotten everybody else involved, including Gigi Jackson, around the basket a little bit more. I think Ebo's injury during the offseason is one of the undersold stories of the year for Carolina basketball because if he were in the mix, I'm not saying they'd be – Instead of eight and ten, they'd be you know fifteen and five. But I think they'd be a lot better. They may not win many more games, but I think they would be a lot more competitive with him on the floor. Yeah, it's an excellent point. I totally forgotten about that. Mm -hmm. Excellent point. Now he'll be so back. He'll be back next year. Correct. Yeah, he'll be back next year. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Thank you, Keith. Let's go to Ron up in Greenville. Ron, great to have you with us tonight. Hope you're doing well. Welcome in. Well, I appreciate it, Phil. How y'all doing? We're doing great. Sounds like you're feeling pretty good. I feel pretty good today. I have my good days and my bad days. I just got over COVID-19. Oh, no. So good Lord. I, I, you know, I've got it twice, so hopefully I won't get it anymore. Yes. Got just a couple quick questions. Did you see Furman Chattanooga's on TV tonight? Uh, Furman and Chattanooga. Let me go back and look at that. Furman Chattanooga's on ESPN+. Plus. Oh. It's on okay. the plus. It's on the stream. The plus, the plus means uh, it's a plus for us because you have to pay extra for it. That's what the plus yeah. means. <laughs> okay, let me ask you this. Is there any way you could uh, maybe look up Clemson and South Carolina's football schedule and go over the teams they play next year? Yeah, be glad or, to. Or this year? Mm-hmm. Be glad okay. to. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Yeah, just one other thing. You know, if Debo Sweeney was down at South Carolina and would come up with 11, 11 two records, 10 and three records, he'd be making 20, $20 million a year. 
at South Carolina. Yeah. He'd be making $20 million a year because the Gamecocks would be so over-the-top excited about winning uh, 10 and 11 games a year. But Clemson, you're saying they just take it in stride and they kind of they kind of hold it at about 9 or $10 million a year. Yeah, I'll tell you what, if Dabo ever goes uh, 10 and 2, maybe two straight years, he'll be in trouble. No. <laughs> All right, you sound like a hardcore Clemson man. Thank you, Ron. I know you are. Appreciate the phone call, and uh, we'll come back after the break, and we'll answer your question about the schedule, so stay tuned for that. And we will also continue with your phone calls. Now, keep in mind the uh, the Clemson schedule, the ACC schedule, the dates and all that uh, won't be announced until the 20th. Though I did see where Notre Dame announced their schedule today, and they will play at Clemson on November the 4th. Don't know if that's been out already, but that's on the Notre Dame schedule. That was out at no, at Clemson November 4th. We'll be back. All right, so for Ron's question, uh, the Clemson football schedule for 2023. And while we do this, we're going to play pick those wins. So I'm going to Excellent. as I Excellent. as I name these games, I'm going to I'm going to say win or loss and then y'all can chime in real quick. Let's do it quickly. Let's don't. All right. All right, so here we go. Um only 1 2 3 4 have dates right now. Uh Charleston Southern September 9th, that's a win. Win. Now, if you don't say anything, you can just agree with me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> FAU on September 16th, that's a win. 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 Notre Dame at home November 4th. That's – now, you know, it's hard to tell what's going to be happening that late in the season. But anyway, November 4th, Notre Dame at home, that is a – Win. I'm going to go loss. Win. <laughs> Okay, that's a win. Saturday 25th at South Carolina, that's a loss. Ha! I said it again. I said it again. Two years in a row. That's a loss. And you say? I think Clemson bounces back with Klubnik. I think they win. Mm. Win. (laughs) Florida State, to be determined, that's a loss. That game is? At Clemson. Clemson. At Clemson. Got the best Ooh, quarterback in the ACC. Boy. Well, if and other if, big if pieces. If May's not, I mean, if May's not the best, mm. I Florida State's got to show me. I'm I'm gonna wait and see with them. We're supposed to go quick here. Yeah, win for Clemson. Win. <laughs> Georgia Tech win. Oh, good grief! Yes. Win. Wake Forest win. Time. Yeah, without Sam Hartman, win. Win. At Duke, win. Oh, good grief. Win. <laughs> win. At NC State. Ooh. New quarterback. Yeah. Armstrong, good quarterback. Win. Yeah, I think they win that one too. <sighs> um win. At Syracuse, win. Mm-hmm. Win. And North Carolina. Win. They still won't have their defense fixed. No. Yeah, win. win. So the home schedule for Clemson, they got forgot Miami. Oh, and at Miami. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a win. I think that's a loss. What? 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 Yeah. Really? I, I, huh? Yeah. 
I think Miami is going to surprise a lot of people next year. I think they've got a tremendous coach, tremendous quarterback. They're going to have some good running backs next year, good receivers. I think that offense is going to be able to match Clemson's uh, stride for stride. And that being in Miami just adds to it a little bit. That's the one loss I have on their schedule next year. Wow. And that comes – well, the date hasn't been set. Uh, and you say – I say Clemson, first off, we'll have more fans in the stadium than Miami will, and secondly, they'll win that game. Oh, and my apologies. I don't mean that it'll be a tough place to play. I mean more so <laughs> the distractions in Miami being the tough opponent in, down there, not the fans. <laughs> well, it's not like they're going to go down there and hang out on South Beach or anything. <laughs> no, that's I know, sure. I know, but still, I just think something what about we, Miami. What we don't know yet, of course, until they release the uh, – who, who will they play September 2nd to open the season? We know it's going to be a league game. Will the ACC try and have a primo matchup? Maybe would they – would they pair Florida State and Clemson to open the season, or would they send Clemson to Miami to open the season? They, uh, I doubt they would make – no, they can't be North Carolina because we know North Carolina opens the season yeah. against South Carolina. And Florida State opens up against uh, LSU. And- oh, okay, so it won't be them. I bet you. Do you think they'll send Clemson to Miami to open the season just to have that big and maybe try to make it a primetime Labor Day night uh, sort of deal? You know, you know Clemson, if I'm Miami, Miami – if I'm Miami, I think I lobby for that to give Pat, you know, his prediction some credence. Catch Clemson while they're still trying to work in the new offense with relatively still a new starting quarterback. I'm not so sure that'd be a bad thing for Miami to open and, up the season with Clemson. Mm-hmm. And that's on the table. I'm looking at ESPN. They have Miami's schedule next year, and the only one confirmed is nine nine Texas A&M. They don't have a date yet. I'm sorry, a game yet on that later. Yeah, no weekend. ACC team has their ACC schedule set. No ACC team has their ACC schedule set. That's coming out on the 20th. That's coming out in two days. Um, and, Wait and a minute. The 30th, They're releasing it on a Friday? The 20th. I mean, I know I the ACC I, yeah. doesn't care about football, but good yeah. grief. Yeah, I'm pretty. How could, how could it be any worse? Yeah. Let's just on the AC, And, and on they're doing Friday. it at 7 o'clock on the ACC <laughs> TV network, you know. So. And tell me again why no one has any respect for the ACC in football. A lot of no. reasons. <laughs> Pat, you look There's puzzled. another one right there. I'm looking puzzled because I'm, I'm on their website. One of us is misreading this. I'm seeing Monday, January 30th at 7 p.m. exclusively on the ACC network. Well, maybe that's when it was. Okay, well, that makes a little more sense then. <laughs> I knew it was coming up. <laughs> Friday night. In January. I thought <laughs> it was Friday the 20th. Night. But you're saying it's the 30th? Yeah, and it's going to wow, a two-hour television special. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I can't wait to see <laughs> there and watching that? watch the Georgia Tech schedule be announced. <laughs> all right, so it's the 30th, not the 20th. Okay, all, all right. right. That make you feel better? A little bit. That uh, make you feel better? Yeah, at least for that, yeah. Because, I mean, you cannot have a schedule release. Even They wouldn't even do any sport like that. It's, as bad as they are with football, you can't have a schedule release All right. on Friday. So I got Clemson 10 and 2 missing the playoffs. Yeah, they got to show me they got to show me. Listen, you fired your your OC and your QB coach and that's okay, you can blame him for everything, but you got to show me more at quarterback. You got to show me more at receiver. Your defense wasn't that great and you're losing a bunch on defense. I got to see more there. Your special teams they were Below, they were average. I mean, your kicker was good until he missed a couple of, in the in the Orange Bowl. What he missed three in a row in the Orange Bowl, I think. Speaking of kickers, what was up with the Cowboys kicker the other night? Have you? Ever, how many did he miss in a row? Three four. extra three points. Ex- yeah, four extra points. Four, four, yeah. four, four yeah, extra points. Made the fifth. Amazing. You just don't see that. All right, the South Carolina schedule, real quick for Ron. Well, 
One follow-up, though, real quickly for Clemson, though. The one thing you have to factor in, though, Phil, is, I mean, they play in an easy conference. And even if they haven't improved greatly, they still won 11 games this year with all the mistakes you just pointed out. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they just, they're not going to get tested all that much in the ACC, so they can slide by with their B game on most days and come out with a win. All right, to the Gamecocks now. Their schedule's set because the SEC goes ahead and does SEC things, which is announce the schedule during the middle of the previous season, you know, because it just means more. Mm-hmm. Gamecocks will open up against North Carolina Charlotte September 2nd. That's a win. I think that's a win, too. Mm-hmm. Because I think win. they'll score enough because North Carolina is not going to stop anybody. Heisman contenders. Furman at home on the 9th. That's a win, 2-0. and mm-hmm. At Georgia. By the oh. way, did this come up? It came up on the show last night. Did it come up on the show last night? Yeah, this thing about uh, what – yeah, the radio announcers in uh, Atlanta took on uh, Stetson Bennett. Yes. Oh, yeah, yes. we talked about that. Yeah, that's pretty stupid. Uh, at Georgia, uh, you saw where the uh, the receiver for Georgia um, put his name in the transfer portal, John. Uh, the real good one. Uh, come up with the name. Mitchell. Yeah. So he's put his name. He, he wants to transfer out. Um, quarterback question at Georgia. Who's quarterback going to be? Uh, Gamecocks going into Georgia. I, I can't pick them to win that game right now. I gotta no, say, L. I agree. Yeah, gotta say, L. that's two and one. Mississippi State at home, they should win that. That's three. I agree. And one at Tennessee, they're gonna have the the hot shot millionaire quarterback coming in. Um, yeah, I can't pick them to beat Tennessee. Too much, still too much offense there. So that's three and two. They get an off week. And then October 14th, Florida at home. I'll give them a W against Florida. Yeah. That's four. At Missouri. Yeah, I think they'll beat Missouri out there this time. Time to break that streak for the – I mean, they just didn't show up and still had a chance to at least try and figure out a way to win that game in the fourth quarter this year. I think they get it get it done. Well, you guys haven't been been answering. So what did y'all I'm, think I'm, about? I mean, everything you uh, the wins and losses that you've said so mm-hmm. far, I agree with. Pat, same, totally agree. Mm-hmm. The one that I'll is giving me a thought and maybe shame on me after the last two seasons that that Georgia game. I just that that may be a lot closer next mm-hmm. year than people think, especially catching them third week of the year. All right, so that's uh, what we got them right now. We got them one, two, two and one, three and one, three and two, four and two, five and two, at Texas A and M. Boy, who knows what to expect at, out of Texas A and M? Five and two. Um, probably gonna probably gonna take an L there just because it's out there right now. Yeah, I'd say an agree. L, yeah, five I and three. Uh, they beat the Gamecocks of Jacksonville State and make them change their name. They can no longer be the Gamecocks. <laughs> that's so. That's uh, what's his face. How much fun Coach is that going to be for, State. for the announcers? Because you won't yeah. be able to use Gamecocks at all. You won't be Gamecocks, able to use the Gamecocks, at yeah. all. Back to A and M for a second. Let's remember they just hired Bobby Petrino to mm-hmm. come in from UNLV. He was there for what a week, but still came in from UNLV to be their new offensive coordinator. What do you guys think that means for A and M? Will that be a good thing? Will it be a distraction? Will he and Jimbo butt heads? I don't or? know. That's what I'm saying. I don't know what to expect at Texas A and M. How that's going to work? Um, I'm sure that. You know, Jimbo feeling the heat and felt like he had to do something. To, he's turning over play calling. Will there be complete autonomy? I, I, it's going to be hard to, to envision Jimbo Fisher not having input on play calling and running an offense during the game. He's done that his entire career as an assistant coach and as a head coach. He's never not run a game. So we'll see what happens. Uh, so Jacksonville State's a W. Vanderbilt the next week's a W. Anybody disagree with that? 
Nope. Kentucky at home, I'll give them a W. Yep. There. And then Clemson at home, I got them a W. So that's uh, one, two, three, four. Missouri five, Florida six, seven, eight. That's a nine win regular season for the Gamecocks. Could they, them with eight. could they live with nine? Nine and three? Go win a bowl game? Oh, heck yeah. Ten and three? They'd, take that. They'd sign up for that right now. That'd be a, be a step forward. Well, because that would be what? Probably second at worst again, third in the SEC East? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Mm-hmm. I would say so because you're losing to Georgia in my books. You're losing to Georgia. You're losing to Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. yeah. But you're beating everybody else. Mm-hmm. So while we're, ta- while we're talking picking here, and we'll get back to your calls in a second, I have not formally announced the winners from our football filibuster and our pick'em contest for this year. I know it's a little bit after the fact, but what the hell. Might as well do it while we're talking about it. So congratulations once again to um, almost said Governor Dick Riley, who just had a birthday not too long ago. Governor Jim Hodges, even though he went uh, three and seven in bowl season, and Attorney General Wilson went six and four. Final ledger: the governor forty-four and thirty-six, and the attorney general thirty-eight and forty-two. So the governor reclaims the corn cup for uh, I don't know how many times he's got so many corn cups uh, in his uh, trophy case. It's hard to keep count. So we congratulate him. As for the uh, Sports Talk Pick'em Challenge, it's my esteemed pleasure to announce that Smitty, who had to deal midseason with the birth of a child and everything else, somehow managed to smoke, I mean smoke the competition. Yeah, it wasn't close. No. Well done, Smitty. Four and six in bowl season. He finishes 51 and 29. Wow. So I mean nobody was nobody was even close to uh to matching him. So Smitty goes fifty one and twenty nine. Uh Fran Halloran, the money coach, eight games back at forty three and thirty seven. Bobby Harton, a nice showing for the big kahuna, forty one and thirty nine. He finishes third. Gentleman Jim Corbett, attorney for the stars, and me, your humble host, uh, we finished tied for next fourth. At 38-42. and Uh, Pat and Kev Cohen and Teddy Hefner and the bad boy Alan Smothers all finished tied next at 37-43. and Pat, what do you have to say for yourself? Six games under 500. 14 games back of the winner. (laughs) He didn't finish last on air, though. Well done, Pat. Next, better than me. Next would be didn't have real money on it. That would have been ugly. <laughs> next at thirty six and forty four would be our own Chris Bergen. What do you have to say uh, for yourself? That pitiful. pitiful. Yeah, that's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. But you beat Doctor Rick Sanford. He's slumped this year. He's usually pretty good. Off year for Doctor Rick, thirty four and forty six. And I'm proud to announce, in the basement, last place where he belongs, the former voice of the Clemson Tigers, Pete. Yannitator, Pete Yannity, at 31 and 49. That would be 20 games behind the winner. There you and go. Smitty, Smitty lapped the field, didn't he? He kicked butt. He took names. <laughs> that was impressive. Yeah. Okay, got to hit the break, and we'll come back to your phone calls. I've been meaning to get that done, and um, finally got it done, so that's good. Hit the break. We'll come back to uh, your phone calls. I got, I'm glad we've covered the football schedule, so we've got our picks on the record now. Here in January, we got our picks on the record. 
Uh, and we'll see uh, how much we change as we get closer to the uh, 2023 season. <laughs> well, I mean, rosters are still not frozen. You still don't know who's going to be playing in what positions, you know. Get back to your phone calls after this break. Don't go away. Major Billy Downer here from the Department of Natural Resources, and DNR is excited to announce the implementation of Go Outdoors SC, a new online licensing and boat titling system that you can access right from your phone. Through this new system, customers can purchase their hunting and fishing licenses, renew their boats, apply for lottery hunt opportunities, and complete electronic harvest reporting requirements. For more information, visit Go Outdoors SC at your local app store. Show your team pride wherever you go with Founders Federal Credit Union's Collegiate Debit Cards. Get your University of South Carolina and Clemson University debit cards at any Founders office or by calling 1-800-845-1614. Plus, our debit cards are digital wallet ready, so you can pay however you please. Not a member? Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. Hi, this is Major Billy Downer, and coming up tonight at 7.30, it's another edition of SC Wild from the Department of Natural Resources on the Sports Talk Media Network. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Back to your phone calls. We appreciate your patience as we went through all of that uh, for a little while here on Sports Talk. So we go next to uh, is it to Gamecock Larry? Gamecock Larry over in Swansea. Welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? I'm doing all right, sir. Pat, just tell them what I'm picking. Tell them just wait till next year. But uh, I've got a little something to say about I listen to another station today a little bit. And I'm tired of hearing the excuses for that basketball program at South Carolina. I don't think I've ever seen it as bad as it is now. That's even counting Darren Horn and all them a long time. Yes, sir. I, I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, I said it when they fired Frank Martin. I said it when they hired Blount Paris. Lamont Paris is not a SEC caliber coach. Now, he may be a good coach in the division he came from, but he didn't, he didn't do anything in the transfer portal as far as getting the players. He get, went and got down to the lower level players. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to, anyway, you know what I mean. He didn't go out here and get some some players with a name. Uh, he got a scholarship left if we could have filled it. He did. He just, 
He's not an SEC coach caliber. I don't care what to say. We're going to be in the same shape we end the day three, two, or three years from now. We're going to be starting over. Now, let me tell Ron in Greenwood. I didn't, I didn't, I think that's where you said Greenwood. Greenville. Ron, we fought, Greenville, we 4 0 against the Tigers in this new thing they got. We 4 0. Women basketball, men's basketball, I think some kind of other thing they call soccer or something, I don't know. And uh, football. And uh, then, then I got to say something to Bruce and Missouri. Bruce, why don't you, why don't you drink, coach drink, and, uh, and the uh, Missouri Alphabetic Director, why don't you let this uh, Jeff Coat, I think his name is Jeff Coat, why are you holding that young man hostage? Why don't you release him? Now, first let of all, come play. <coughs> first yes, of all, sir. first of all, first of all, first of all, Bruce is a Clemson fan. He's not a Missouri fan. He just happens to live in Missouri. So he's a Clemson oh, guy. Well, so you want to talk to him about Clemson, not Missouri. Uh, secondly, okay, secondly, okay. secondly, uh, to the best of my knowledge, to the best of my knowledge, it's not Missouri, the university, the school holding it, holding it up. So best of my knowledge to the, to okay. the best of my knowledge, the, the schools are not, this is not a situation where, you know, school a is keeping him from going to school B or school B is not, uh, able to is throwing up a, a stop sign and not and not taking it there's it's, there's some other things there you know that can't get into and can't okay. really explain because i don't know enough but um that's sort of where it okay. is okay phil i believe you i believe you okay why are you laughing you why that, that's that was not a laugh that was a laugh of no, uh no. ridicule you're, you're ridiculing you're me with that laugh you sound like them people down there covering up for Lamont Paris. Man. Ain't nobody covering up for Lamont Paris, but you got to give him yeah. some time. Time, time. He, he'll have three years, and he'll be gone. They're going to give him two. Well, it might not. They might make him go after two. But he is not the SEC caliber coach. Now, I hope he's listening Cause he gonna hear old game card Larry talking, but uh, Lamont, I love you. Be <laughs> I just want to stay in trouble with all you Clemson, Clemson fans and Missouri fans and Ron uh, in Greenville and all y'all. <laughs> I have fun talking to you guys. Uh, that's all I got to say. All right. I'm laying here in my bed. I got my radio. I'm listening to the rest of the show. Go Gamecocks. Okay. Thank you, Gamecock Larry. And not to be that guy, Phil, but I, I can't I can't take that anymore. First off, there are no players from Division Two that were brought into the Gamecock program. They're all the same division. Everybody gets, well, if you play in a mid-major, you must be a lower division. No, they're all the same division that South Carolina's in. Plus, he's got players from Ohio State, Illinois, and LSU. I get the frustration, but good grief. I mean, are you, if you're frustrated with Lamont Paris right now, are you the same people that wanted to get rid of Frank Martin? 
<laughs> if, if you were in favor of getting rid of Frank Martin, then you need to give Lamont Paris some time mm-hmm. to build his program. He's what, 18 games into the season? Is even that far? Yeah. Where are they now? What are they? Eight and ten. Eight, eight and ten, yeah. Eight 18 ten. games into the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, his first season. Mm-hmm. Give him a little time. Good yeah. grief. Absolutely. Larry, back off the ledge just a touch. Absolutely. All right, thank you very much. Appreciate the phone call. Uh, let's go next to is it Tiger Bryan. Tiger Bryan, up next here on Sports Talk. Welcome in, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I feel good tonight compared to the last caller. But, hey, yep. he's busting about that. Hey, South Carolina boys, hey, men went down there and beat Kentucky. How many teams beat Kentucky? Really? I mean, if Clemson could beat Kentucky, I'd be happy. You know, mm. but, but yeah, I appreciate all the uh, uh, prediction is all you're doing on South Carolina Clemson. Mm-hmm. And I ain't got nothing to say about, you know, the shame talks. You know that. Mm. Uh, Clemson, you know what's going to be surprised with your corn? What's that? Our defensive back line, our defense is going to be pouring on this year. Because, mm-hmm. right, you know what? What's the old saying? Defenses win championships. Defense travels. Defense wins championships. So you think you're going to be – you think you're going to be better on defense, better in the secondary. Yeah. Still going to be strong up front. You lose Bressy, you lose uh, Henry, you lose um, who's the other defensive end? You lose the other uh, starting defensive end. Miles Murphy. Miles Murphy. Yeah. You do have Tyler Davis back, and you do have, um, you have, you know, you you have Xavier Thomas. Thomas coming back. Yeah. But we'll see if they play better. You know, they had their moments last year when they really uh, had some leakage in there. But we'll see if they play better. All right, thanks for the call. We'll be back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Okay, hour number two of Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network on a Wednesday night. SC Wild coming up at the bottom of the hour. Major Billy Downer going to be talking Ducks tonight with a special guest. So stay tuned for that. Look forward to having him with us. You have a question or comment about duck season in South Carolina, anything uh, regarding the uh, outdoors in South Carolina, he is the man to uh, talk to, and you can reach him. Phone number will be 888-898-2525, just <laughs> as it is right now for us here on Sports Talk. And you're chuckling because? Is that going to be wabbit season or duck season? <laughs> <laughs> it's I'm sorry. Duck. As soon as it's, you said duck it's, season, it's I ducky could season. see Elmer Fudd and, and Bugs Bunny. Mm, wabbit no, it's, season. <laughs> it, is, uh, it is indeed about duck season, he tells me. So we look forward to that. Let's uh, get back to some phone calls. We've got recruiting coming up as well. Uh, so we continue with your calls. We appreciate the patience for those who've been holding on. 888-898-2525 is the number. Nelson in Spartanburg with us next. Welcome in, sir. How are you? Hey, I'm going to put my two cents in about the basketball team, too. I'm not going to get on Paris tonight, but there's just one thing I don't understand. These guys are basketball players. They played basketball before. I have never seen a team – 
that are that does not know how to block out rebound, can't pass the ball, they don't know where to move. And Gigi, your man there is right. He needs to get under the basket and get away from that three point line. But I used to play basketball three hours a night at the Y here in town, and we had really good players. And there's a lot of former college players, some pro players. Uh, J.D. Fuller and a lot of those football players used to come in there and play. I could go in there and pick out ten players and give these teams a better game than than what this team gives them. They, I, I've never seen anything like it. How, how can a team that's supposed to be a college basketball team not even know how to block out and rebound? It's, it's, it is frustrating. I can understand. I mean, rebounding is effort in a lot of ways. They got out-rebounded last night 43-31, to 31, and um, – there weren't a lot of offensive rebounds last night. Only seven for Ole Miss, only five for the Gamecocks, and not a lot of second-chance points. But um, maybe that's because of some of the shooting that Ole Miss was doing. Um, in second half, they shot 50%. But, um, yeah, you're right. I, that, that doesn't excuse the fact that um, South Carolina is, as we pointed out last night, we went over some of the stats. I mean, they're just getting killed on the boards so far this year, and, and it's hurt them in every one of their losses. And they can't shoot. I, like I said, the guys I used to play with in the YMCA could outshoot them. I mean, it's, it's it's amazing how they can miss that many shots. And I'm not even talking about the contested ones. There are a lot of shots where they're wide open, and they're 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 not even coming close to hitting the rim. Sometimes they're shooting free throws and, and and hitting under the bottom part of the front of the rim, things like mm-hmm. that. Anyway, it, it is frustrating. Yeah. And I grew up with Frank McGuire basketball, sort of like you did. So it's it's a uh, it's a bitter pill to swallow to have to watch, watch well, some of this. After but, last yeah. night's numbers were figured in, the Gamecocks are down to um, .398 overall field goal percentage. Their opponents are shooting 47%. Okay, uh, From three-point range, they're shooting .317. Opponents are shooting 36.5%. From the foul line, I'd say at least they're consistent. They're only shooting 63%. <laughs> but opponent, they play real good foul line defense because opponents are only shooting 63%. But the problem is that 63% is down towards like the 350s in college basketball. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that is really, really bad. Give you an idea, Clemson, I think going into last night, they were in the top 10. Yeah. Now, overall, rebounding-wise, it's pretty even overall with their opponents. 34.4, the opponents 35.6, but... In SEC play, as I pointed out last night, they're getting beat now by 15 rebounds per game in mm-hmm. SEC play. That's a, a may, I don't well, think I've ever big, seen that kind of deficit before in looking at two teams. They have big guys, though. They have big guys with muscle underneath, but they can't they can't finish a shot and they can't they can't block out and rebound. I, I like to say it's it, it is frustrating to watch it, but uh, I wish Paris well, but whew, he's gonna have to. He's got he's got a long way to go. Anyway, I'll leave it. All right. Hey, maybe they can recruit some of the women over to play. But uh, <laughs> anyway, you guys have a good one. Thank you. Also, you're looking at some of these other stats in SEC play. The Gamecocks have had five players foul out in league play. Their opponents have had zero to this point in time. Phil, last and I night. You. Sorry, real go fast, ahead, Chris. Uh, last night, the Gamecocks only had six second chance points. You're not going to win a whole lot of ball games only getting six second chance points. Mm-mm, no, uh, absolutely. With, it sounds like you have a a more overall stats in front of you. Are you able to see what they might average per game and second cho- second chance points? Because it certainly cannot be very high. 
Mm, let's see if I can find that stat here if it gives it to me. Going um, to Nelson's points a little bit. And then uh, layups, it, 11 of 20 last night on layups. Now, I know a few of those were probably highly contested, but just barely above 50% in layups. And back to Nelson's point, with the amount of size these guys have, if you're missing layups, just dunk the daggone ball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's ugly. It's ugly in every uh, every aspect. Speaking of that last night, uh, one of the things that hurt Clemson, I think I mentioned, nine second-half turnovers for Clemson not having um, their point guard was certainly a big factor for them. Though, And they didn't play all that well defensively either. Brad Brownell pointed yeah. that out, especially in the first half. And, well, and it, it, it boiled down to what we talked about yesterday, Phil. They could not afford to fall behind on the road like they did in the uh, opening half against the team that has not lost at home this year. And he would not they use the absence of Chase Hunter either as an mm-hmm. excuse. You know, yeah. He didn't want to take away anything from Wake Forest. When that was brought up to him, he said, nope, nope, not going there, not talking about it. You know, just one of those things. He hopes to have him for Saturday. Uh, he's got a – he hurt his foot against Duke, and uh, it got worse as the weekend went on. And then I guess he tried to practice, couldn't practice. So they just gave him some time off and see if it'll work its way back out. And, and no idea uh, when Hemingway is going to be back. You know, that still is a, yeah. an iffy situation there. And um, one other thing to follow up on Nelson's point about how bad South Carolina has been shooting after last night – this stat will blow you away because I know it did me. The Gamecocks have actually attempted nine more field goals than their opponents thus far this season. They've made 71 less field goals huh. than their opponents have. Is that made. overall or an SEC yeah. play? No, that's overall. Yeah, They are 422 of 1,059. Their opponents are 493 of 1,050. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> now, now in um, – okay, so in conference play – in conference play, the Gamecocks have attempted 286 shots, their opponents 297, but the Gamecocks have made 38 fewer shots, 110 mm-hmm. to 148. So There you go. All right, quickly back to the phones we go. Got recruiting coming up for you here in a little bit. Stay tuned for that as we uh, continue with your phone calls on this. Uh, what night is this? This is a Wednesday night. Okay. Uh, Andy in Columbia with us next here on Sports Talk. Welcome in. Hey, fellas. You know, this basketball team, one big thing, fundamentals, they, they, they suck at. I mean, they're a fundamentally poor team. I mean, they don't block out. They can't shoot. They can't defend. I mean, they, they don't move the ball around. What they can do is they can shoot three-pointers that no one else wants to shoot. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm just starting to wonder... If we went from a coach that was highly disciplined to a coach now, uh, Coach um, Paris, who doesn't seem to have much discipline with inside with this team, because what we're seeing is a team is playing without discipline. Do you disagree? You know, uh, without discipline. I mean, I hate. I hate. I just hate to draw conclusions after eighteen games. I'm just talking regime. about the way what we're seeing played right now. What they're shooting, the way they're shooting, that's not a disciplined team. That's not a team that, that plays under a disciplined type of structure. That's a team that you say you go out there and do pretty much Michi can shoot from wherever he wants. Correct. And I've got a feeling that Gigi can do whatever he wants because that was the, one of the reasons he came. Well, I would say correct on that. Field. Yeah, I'd say correct on I that. Mean, so, I mean, you really have no control over your team. Those are your two main players you really have no control over. And when you compare it to a teams that um, Frank Martin had a very strict discipline um, structure for, 
you're going to see a big difference. And they're two big different coaches. And it's not, you know, you got what you wanted, um, Carol, most Carolina fans. You wanted someone who wasn't disciplined, who didn't, you know, put it on his players. And that's, this is what we're looking at right now. We'll see what happens in the next five years or so and how it structures out. But this is what we're looking at right now. Mm-hmm. So we got to go with it. A um, couple of other questions. I heard you say last night South Carolina was ranked 23 in the baseball preseason. Correct. Was Clemson ranked in no. the top 25? Okay, they were not. I wasn't sure if I heard that or not or missed it. Yeah. Now, that's a coach people should be looking at a little bit more. So Mr. Kingston and Mr. Paris. He's been here a lot more. And Mr. Mr. Cornblue, you still owe me a meal. You know, you bring you, that up every phone call. That, wait, every wait, phone call, you bring that up. And now I've told you that I took Rick Sanford out in your stead because you live vicariously through number 25. Everything okay. in your life has been wrapped up with Rick, Rick Sanford. And let's, let's he is like your, your outer body experience. And so okay. I took him out for lunch and pretended he was you. You probably never paid for it. I'm going to have to ask Rick and see who, if you stuck him for the bill. I have the receipt, but, uh, okay? I have the receipt. It's tax deductible. But what I was going to say is you're so confident in this baseball team, I'm willing to bet you double or, or you know double or nothing here. No, don't stop at double. Let's not, go triple. Triple or nothing. Triple. South Carolina will not host a regional this year in baseball. They might be in a regional, but they will not be hosting a regional. Um, if they'll be lucky to get into a region. I'll take you up on that. Triple or nothing. Okay. okay. Triple or nothing. Better, Andy, let me help you out here a little bit. You better put a caveat in there that if the Gamecocks host a regional because another school was yeah, able to, to host a, a regional. <laughs> they need to be a number one seed. No, 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 no. We're not adding to the bet after I've already agreed to it now. No, no, no. Anywhere else. Yeah. It, that, that's, how, that's what the deal runs. But I don't even think they're going to make it to the playoff, to the regionals. But that's my opinion. But there's no way they're going to host here. My opinion, as I've been saying for the past couple of years, the gentleman in the upstate knows Landon Powell. Hopefully next year we will see him sitting in the dugout as the coach with uh, with our, with uh, Monty Lee next to him, guiding him through his coaching in Division One. That would be a dream come true. And I, another thing, I'm glad you talked to BJ. I wish you would have had him on last night for a little while. But I think uh, BJ is someone who's going to be a big-time uh, Division One coach if, as soon as he gets a Well, I think, I mean, no knock on Lamont Paris. When all things were being considered and everything was on the table, that's who I would have hired. I mean, if you're going exactly. to rebuild the program – and kind of, you know, start over, why not go with a guy that was your all-time leading scorer and uh, fan favorite and hometown guy who knows everybody, has all the connections? Uh, that's That would have been my choice. I think B.J. would have been a terrific head coach at South Carolina, but didn't happen. He's happy nope. at Wake Forest. He, he loves Steve Forbes and learning under him, and he'll get his shot somewhere one day. You know, he'll get his shot somewhere one day. Maybe five years down the road. You never know. Never but, you know, the best thing the best thing I think is happening in South Carolina basketball right now is the captain is able to be with inside the program. And I think to me that's the most exciting part of what's going on in South Carolina basketball. Well, I mean, that's with good, but what can what what can he do, you know I mean he's what? got the AAU touches in the state. 
So hopefully the people that we were losing from the AAUs that Frank wasn't able to work with, maybe Kerry's got a little bit more pull on that. Well, it's early. Let's see what happens. Let's see if they reel in some of the the better players. All right, thank you very much. we got to go. Thank you. Appreciate the phone call. 888-898-2525. Need to mention that yesterday it was uh, Dr. Jerry Brown out at Berkeley High School. Mm -hmm. Today it's Steve LaPrade out at Fort Dorchester. Uh, apparently, wow. now I'm just going from what I've been reading, various stories and all, apparently uh, stepping down on his own, they issued a statement the school did to their players that he had resigned. That's the official word from the school district. Played for a state championship this year, 1-1 in 2015. Tremendous uh, football coach, tremendous wrestling coach, and uh Always been a guy that I've enjoyed talking to over the Man, years. There are some, there's some really good jobs open in our state, Phil. But and there's something funky. All time. Yeah. There's something funky going on down there in Berkeley and uh, be Berkeley County and Dorchester. Uh, is that Somerville? For, is that Dorchester County? I, I don't think so. Yeah. County, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's two that's two Hall of Fame coaches right there that all of a sudden are not coaching. You know. And, and neither had given an indication that they were ready to hang it up. I wonder. Now, I know in the case of Jerry Brown, he was fired. I mean, he flat he flat out said that. You know, he did not resign. He was told by the administration, as he put it, his services were no longer needed. So, Steve Pratt, I don't know. Phil, just, Phil, just to add to this, I just uh, Kevin. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Billado, Billado, mm-hmm. Kevin Live Five on Twitter. I'm seeing here that he says a source at DD2 confirms to me that Steve LaPrade is still the athletic director at Fort Dorchester despite stepping down as the head football coach. So he still will be involved in some capacity. He'll be the AD, just no longer as the head football coach. Okay, uh, let's go to our break. We'll come back and give you recruiting and finish up with phone calls. And then SC Wild tonight coming up at the bottom of the hour. Major uh, Billy Downer will join us. He'll have a special guest. And we're going to be talking uh, ducks here, uh, duck soup or uh, rubber ducks or whatever. Molly Neese, one of the DNR experts on the outdoors, specializing in the ducks, going to be with us. And there's another great story to talk about involving DNR from this week. We'll talk about that, too. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit playresponsiblysc.com. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy, and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Hi, this is Major Billy Downer, and coming up tonight at 7.30, it's another edition of SC Wild from the Department of Natural Resources on the Sports Talk Media Network. 
When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. All right, recruiting brought to you by Seawells tonight here on Sports Talk. Of course, uh, tomorrow's Thursday. Got two more days of the daily luncheon buffet over at Seawells. I'm going to try and get there for uh, tomorrow or Friday. Roast beef Friday, I am figuring for this week. So you make your plans. But, of course, terrific menu over at Seawells for the luncheon, the daily luncheon buffet. The price is excellent, only $13. 11 till 2. Plenty of room. Lots of people go. Lots of people turn up for that. But there's room for you. So make plans to get over there tomorrow or Friday. And if you've got something coming up requiring the best in the catering business, you want to call the catering experts at Seawells at 803-771-7385, online at SeawellsCateringSC.com. So an update on Cam Pringle from Woodland. Down that way, we were talking about Dorchester County. Big offensive tackle. Some call him the best player in the state and one of the best in the country. Going to announce on Sunday at 2 o'clock at the school. He's had a final six of USC, Clemson, NC State, Tennessee, Georgia, and Florida. His coach tells us that he thinks he's made the decision already. This is Coach Eddie Ford. And he thinks that he feels pretty confident about it. He thinks it came down to two schools. And he said he thinks once he got it down to two, then... He got a little bit uh, torn, but obviously uh, with the final six, he said he couldn't go wrong with any of them. And he said the place he has chosen, it was the environment. He said he felt like home, and he thinks he'll be relieved on Sunday to get the uh, information, the answer out there. A lot of coaches have been through the school. Every SEC school came through. Every ACC school came through. In-state schools, Michigan, Stanford, Arizona State, they came through. He estimated about 30 Power 5 schools came by to see him. So, uh, NC State was there on Tuesday. USC offensive line coach Lonnie Teasley, he was there on Tuesday. Shane Beamer was at the basketball game last night. Kirby Smart was to be in today coming in by helicopter. Not sure if the weather was going to allow that, but that was the plan. He wanted to chop her in. Clemson coaches are expected in on Thursday. And once the announcement's made, the coach says that'll be it. Pringle will be shutting it down. There'll be no more, there'll be no fluctuation after he makes that announcement. Now, USC is holding a junior day on Saturday, and Ford said he did not believe Pringle was going to go to USC. His last visit on a campus was to Clemson for the USC game. All right. Now, um, USC's in the top eight with wide receiver. T.J. Abrams, 5'11", 175 of Lehigh Acres, Florida. 
The others are Tennessee, Penn State, LSU, Texas A&M, Florida State, Vanderbilt, and Florida A&M. Last season, he caught 37 passes, 429 yards, five touchdowns. Tight end Michael Smith of Savannah said he will not be able to make it into USC's Junior Day Saturday because of a basketball game. He is announcing on the 24th with USC, Tennessee, Ohio State, Arkansas, his four finalists. Northwestern receiver Elijah Caldwell plans to take his official visit to USC this weekend. He was in, at NC State last weekend. Clemson target wide receiver Alex Taylor was offered by Tennessee and Miami. Clemson target defensive tackle Champ Thompson offered by Colorado and LSU. Defensive back Cedric Franklin of Marietta, Georgia plans to be at USC Saturday. USC target offensive tackle Mike Williams will visit Michigan State January 28th. He'll visit USC this weekend. USC offered running back Braylon Russell, 6'2", 230 of Benton, Arkansas. Defensive tackle Dominique McKinley, 6'7", 270 of Lafayette, Louisiana. Wide receiver Jeremiah McClellan of St. Louis. And 2025 defensive tackle Andrew Maddox, 6'5", 280 of Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Blythewood wide receiver Joshua Gary and his brother, cornerback JT Gary, they have reported PWO offers from USC, and they may be in on Saturday as well for the Gamecocks Junior Day. And also Turbo Richard, the running back from Northwestern, he has picked up an offer today from Marshall. And that will do it for recruiting tonight right here on Sports Talk. Before we get to SC Wild, let's go to uh, Hank Wild in Columbia. Hank, you're up next on Sports Talk. Welcome in, sir. How are you? I'm doing fine, Corey. Good. Um, you know, I think that everybody's just jumped way over the gun with Paris. Um, you know, you were calling out those numbers, those percentage numbers a little while ago, Corey. Mm-hmm. And and try this try this out, Corey. Mm-hmm. Uh, two. Two point percentage, forty nine percent. I mean, you, you, you were you were saying some of those statements, and I was looking at it and I'm saying two point percentage, forty five percent, three point percentage, thirty two percent. Right? You said point three one or three six. Uh, free throw percentage, sixty eight percent. And all those numbers I just called out, those aren't Paris numbers this year. Those were Frank Martin's numbers with his first team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he struggled his first so this, year. This yeah. team is no different than his first year team. Mm-hmm. People are talking about discipline. Paris was a guy, if everybody could eliminate the Chattanooga from their head, remember Paris spent like over a decade at Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> One of the most disciplined basketball teams in the country. Mm-hmm. And even when he when he took uh, Chattanooga to the tournament, you don't get down to a last-second game to win a game in the tournament if your team isn't disciplined when you're under man. Mm-hmm. So I think everybody just got to just wait. And, and let him recruit and get his own players in. I think I think that'd there. be wise. I think you're right. I think patience here will be a virtue. And people are short on that, however, these days. Thank you, Hank. SC Wild coming up in just a moment. Don't go away. Now on Sports Talk, it's SC Wild with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer is here to take your questions about the great outdoors in South Carolina. Give him a call at 888-898-2525. It's SC Wild from DNR on the Sports Talk Radio Network. 
Okay, great to have uh, Major Billy Downer with us once again tonight from the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. And uh, Major, good evening. How are you, sir? Welcome back into SC Wild. Glad to be here. I'm doing good tonight. Phil, thanks for asking. You know, before we welcome in your guest and get into your topic, which tonight is ducks, big story this week, a great story this week, that DNR investigators used phone technology to find a missing hunter in distress. You want to take us through the, the background of all this and the how it turned out to be a happy ending? Sure. It was, um, it was actually New Year's Eve. Uh, the story's just been released, so that's why it's getting out. But on New Year's Eve, we had a hunter um, get lost or, excuse me, go missing. A family was missing him, couldn't make contact. He was supposed to be hunting uh, somewhere near the border of Bamberg and Orangeburg County. Family got kind of worried, didn't report back in, didn't hear from him, couldn't get a hold of him. Um, and he had told them the area he would be, and so they called our officers, uh, called our radio room, and from there it kind of uh, the, it became a search and rescue operation as far as, as, as we're concerned, looking for a missing hunter. Um, so... Using uh, a very, very, very real uh, cell technology, you see it on shows all the time. You see it on crime shows. They ping a phone. Well, you actually can do that. Um, we have a program that allows us to ping the cell phone, and we're able to put us within 50 feet of the man where he actually was. Wow. Which ended up being five miles from where his family thought he was. Um, so... This technology aided tremendously, and he was in um, he was in medical distress. wasn't you know dead by, uh, or dying, but he was uh, unconscious and uh, having some, a medical issue. <clears throat> so, absolutely, the, the ping was was necessary and worked. And, and for those that ask that question, well, how do you ping a phone? Well, this technology allows you to ping that phone and triangulate. It tells you where that it's very accurate. Can tell you where that um, where that phone is. And we use that in very specific scenarios. Number one, like this, would be in a life or death scenario where you're trying to look for somebody. Uh, the only other way we use that is uh, with a warrant, where we get a warrant to ping a phone or to track where a phone's been or to get information off a phone. Um, and uh, it's pretty accurate as to where it will track where you've been. And in this case, absolutely accurate to where the individual was. So a great uh, happy ending to that story. He was located and he's doing well now, but um, again, it, it being five miles off is a pretty huge um, error as far as, you know, when you're doing search and rescue, that's a large room for error there. Mm -hmm. And so the pinging actually helped and got us to him very quickly. We we're able to get EMS to him. Um, and so uh, happy ending to that story on New Year's Eve. Absolutely. And he's doing okay. Has there been any follow-up? I don't know if any follow-up. I believe he's doing okay. Last I heard, he was doing good. That's great. That's great. And, and last thing, any uh, idea, and maybe this will be a, a teaching opportunity, any idea how he found himself you know, getting lost and, and getting off track, what happened there? Maybe somebody can avoid that in the future? Well, in, in his case, it was a medical emergency. Um, so, um, he had a medical problem that happened. Gotcha. Um, he was confused, disoriented. Um, so it was not anything where he did anything wrong. He okay. had a medical emergency occur, gotcha. uh, which, you know, worst case scenario, 
could happen at any moment to any of us if something happens and you're but we always talk about it, Phil, you've talked about it on the show before, you know, tell your family where you're going, be specific. Be specific. Because in this case it worked out we could ping the phone. Um and luckily everybody takes their phone with them, you know, and he had his phone with him. Um but you know, be specific where you're going so folks have a good idea. Not I'm just going to Clarendon County or whatever to hunt. You know, where you're going, if you plan on hunting in a certain stand, tell them exactly what stand you're going in. Or what property, where are you going to be? Um, we always tell folks, you're going fishing on the lake. Just don't say, I'm going to Lake Marion. Tell them what land you're going to be at and where your truck's going to be parked, you know, or your vehicle's going to be parked, your boat uh, uh, trailer will be. And what part of the lake you may be fishing, because you never know in a situation like this, time is of the essence. And, you know, a good location is very important. I got to believe, too, when this happens, when there's a search and rescue situation that you guys are involved in, and it turns out, well, you find the person and you bring them home, and it's got to be a great feeling around the department that you guys are able to spring into action and, and get it done. Absolutely, and and through the years and, and being a part of many search and rescues, I can tell you as an officer, it feels good to successfully find someone and bring them back to safety. Um, you know, we, we're always a part of, of both good and bad, and there's good and bad stories in our careers that we have to live with. Um, this is a good story. It's one that makes you feel good about what you do, and our officers that are out there are proud to be the people that can go out there in the woods or on the lake and find somebody when they're needing help. And so that's something we did in this time, and I'm proud of the officers that are involved in that. The technology uh, that we, we are utilizing now is certainly um, – a big, big asset for us. Absolutely. Okay, let's go from uh, a happy story there to uh, some other happy times, and that is, of course, people love duck hunting in South Carolina. It's a big part of uh, the great outdoors, big part of SC Wild, and you've got a special guest tonight. I do. we got Molly Neese coming back with us tonight. She's our state waterfowl biologist. Wanted to bring her back on. We had her on a few weeks ago. It's a good show. Want to do that again. Folks always want to know kind of what our waterfowl season looks like, um, and I wanted Molly to give us kind of an update of, of some of the areas, the highlights that she'd like us to know about, you know, where, where ducks are, particularly on the coast. Everybody kind of wants to know what's the migration like when it's warm like this. We kind of freak out where are the ducks at. But, uh, Molly, thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, Major Downer, appreciate you and Phil having me on again. Absolutely. So, we were talking uh, earlier today. Tell us, you know, understood in the last week or so we may have gotten to push a duck. Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. Things are uh, things are picking up from a southerly direction back on the coast. Picking up some nice south winds, and usually this time of year, especially on the coast, we'll start seeing some of those pop back up in the area. Those blue wings, especially, um, popping back up from from, uh, from Florida. Usually, uh, some fresh birds with some. Usually helps help hunters out this time of year. I certainly enjoy the blue wings this time of year. So, so it's been a big blue wing push. Any other any other ducks? Yeah, you know, I think our, I think our green wings are bouncing around. Um, I've heard good things about widgeons in the past week. You know, widgeons are funny. They seem to kind of come and go, but uh, we certainly enjoy them when they got them. Real fun birds and real vocal. You usually hear them before you see them. And, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, I know, too, I love to watch them just kind of fall out of the sky. They tend to appear from nowhere. And, and um, so the past few weeks have been pretty good for us for Wigeon too. And uh, man, pintails have been really fun this year. All throughout the season, have good pintail numbers on the coast in a lot of places. So uh, 
pretty pretty good year for us. I think we've been I've been interacting with a lot of hunters on public land and really been enjoying hearing a lot of good things and and enjoying some duck hunting myself. So, hmm. well, good. Well, um, so how about I hear this from year to year, and I've heard it uh, uh, in the Midwest, um, out in Arkansas, gadwalls have been up this year. Have we seen that on our coastline at all? Yeah, you know, I think our gadwall has been. So for those folks that, that, that may be looking to go or uh, maybe going on a Category 1 hunt coming up, kind of wanting to know where the hot areas are, I know you were telling me the Cape's pretty hot right now. Cape, Cape is pretty hot. Cape and Murphy are, man, there's are so We talked about them the last time I was on, but uh, they've, they've got, uh, got a lot of good things going on. Habitat looks phenomenal. There's a lot of really happy hunters. I mean, when you can... When you can uh, when you can have eighteen people in the morning and, and uh, everybody come out with with five or six birds in their hand, you know that's that's really unusual for a piece of a public land, and um, we've we've enjoyed that numerous times this season. So you know, it's not all about the numbers, but man, it's it's pretty magical to sit there and uh, harvest your birds, and then get to get to sit there and just kind of watch the watch the wetlands and watch the waterfowl just around you. It's really been a great year for those guys. Um, I mentioned Sandy Beach. You know, last time that I was on, I got habitat at Sandy Beach. And having some really great hunts there as well. Nice mixed bag of, of gadwall, a widgeon, a few bowers, I think. But nice, nice mixed bag there right off the lake. And uh, you talked to some, some public land hunters hunting on the, the Broad River. Um, and kind of Pearl Reservoir, Monticello kind of area. And man, those guys have been having a good year. I've heard reports of canvas backs and widgeon and pintails mixed in there. And, um, you know, there's, there's kind of upland sites can be a challenge to manage when, you know, we get big rainfall of the big pulses of the water can make those impoundments in those areas pretty challenging. But, uh, you know, our Broad River guys have been really doing, uh, having a, having a great year as well. So I've been doing a, a lot of enjoying getting out and interacting with staff and, uh, interacting with hunters on those hunts, you know, shaking hands in the morning and, and, uh, swapping stories after the hunt, you know, so it's great to, great to see people enjoy our category one hunts. It's, uh, Cool. So just to recap a little bit for folks that may not know, Sandy Beach is on the lower lake, um, Lake Moultrie of, of Santee Cooper Lake System, and you're saying that they've had widgeon and um, some, uh, you even say mallards maybe even? Hang on one second, Major. We're checking in with Molly because the, the cell – Sound a little bit weak, yep. but Pat was just talking to her. Now we've got her back with us. So uh, repeat okay. your question to her, and I think she'll be ready to go. Yeah. Hey, Molly, just talk about to Sandy Beach for folks that may not know where that is. That's on Lake Moultrie, Lower Lake. And you were saying Widgeon and Gadwall yeah, yeah. and Mallards there? Widgeon, Gadwall, Mallards, um, really nice numbers of green wings, too. So they've been, those guys have been having some really quality hunts. Um, habitat is looking phenomenal. And, uh, Man, I've been really, really impressed with staff and, 
and uh, and the habitat there in, in that area is really uh, really putting a lot of work in. It's been good to kind of see the fruits of those labors and happy hunters come out of come out of Sandy Beach this year. Absolutely, because Sandy Beach has not been a product as productive in the last ten years as it was maybe twenty years ago. I know. Absolutely. So yeah, we like I said, I mentioned before, we've done a lot of contract work there. Um, really getting those areas where we can manage them on a on a better scale and be more productive very each year in our habitat management. And I think we're seeing a lot of a lot of fruits of those labors there. Um, those, those guys are really doing a phenomenal job. So really encouraging to see hunters come out with smiles on their face and uh, and six ducks in their hands. So absolutely, and, and I wanted to point this out because I think when people hear that, they go, "Well, you're finally planting your areas again." That's not the case here. Talk about the kind of work that went in there to change Sandy Beach. Absolutely. You know, we've done a lot of work um, on those impoundments, a lot of, a lot of cleaning out of, of ditches that are inside those impoundments that allows us to better pull water off when we get big rain events and things and during the growing season. Um, you know, because if your interior ditches aren't clean, you know, your soil can, can become too wet. And a little uh, crop like corn, you know, that really likes to be dry, um, you know, you'll you'll flood that corn out when it's young and uh, won't be able to produce the crop for for uh, for the winter. So we've done a lot of stuff that really allows us to be more successful, have a greater opportunity to be successful when we plant agricultural based crops in those areas. It allows us to put a lot of food on the ground. Um, they've done too. You know, a lot of that ditch clean out as well and kind of leveling of the field bed really allows us to encourage good uh, natural vegetation, those moist soil plants, different smart weeds and painted grasses and things that. You know, ducks really like to eat those natural seeds too. So we've really got a good buffet of, uh, of planted <laughs> foods and natural foods out there. And you know, all that all that work of, of helping us move water where we want it when we want it has been super beneficial. Well, I appreciate the out because I know I don't think people understand sometimes the amount of land moving equipment, earth moving equipment, track hose, bulldozers that go into doing this kind of work to clean out a ditch. It's not just taking a backhoe in there. And cleaning the ditch out, you're literally putting in uh, hundreds of hours of work in, moving a lot of dirt around. Absolutely, and work all the way from you know engineering and partnerships with Ducks Unlimited, all the way to you know contractors that we bring in to do work. And our staff does a lot of heavy equipment work for us too. So it takes a lot of people and a lot of effort, you know, a lot of planning to make those things uh, come to fruition. And um, man, we really enjoy it. Enjoy this time of year. Seeing, seeing birds in the field. Absolutely. So, uh, Broad River, what's going on there? Any, what, any changes in management there? Are we just are we just seeing a better year? What's going on, Broad River? We're seeing a re- we're seeing a really good year, you know. But we've had uh, we've got some kind of some work going on there as well. That's doing a lot of the same things we're doing at uh, at Sandy Beach. You know, looking at how we move water and how we control water during the growing season to allow us to more consistently grow. Um, grow crops for ducks and and really kind of fine-tune our natural management there too so but uh man that whole area around uh around broad river um has done really well this year good mixed bag of birds i've heard uh heard guys hunting the river talk about canvas backs and and killing widgeon as well on the river there and um you know we've been done been seeing a couple mallards show back up you know on some on some hunts there at broad river so uh so hopefully we're on a good upswing there. You know, staff is staff working really hard there as well and trying to trying to push things in a in a really good direction. I'm I'm really optimistic. Um based off of what uh what Mother Nature has provided us this year, we've been very fortunate on a lot of our areas and you know, 
our Cat 1 areas and then even our, our public waterways as well. I've been hearing good reports. So. Well, cool. So on the, on average, our Category 1 areas, and this is kind of an off-the-cuff question, so take your time on the answer. We, we, we do have a lot of planted areas, um, and we talked about that before versus moist soil. Majority of our areas inland are planted. Our coastal units, moist soil. Is that correct? Yeah, so so inland areas are predominantly planted. We do do a little bit of moist soil management on our inland areas that are places where we've got, you know, the right right soil moisture to encourage those things. Maybe a little too wet to plant will uh, encourage encourage native vegetation on those areas. But on the coast, we're looking at either uh, either moist soil management or brackish water management where we're targeting uh, widgeon grass and spike rust. And all that depends on uh, the salinity of the water, how much water is in the system, and on uh, – it depends on what kind of vegetation that we grow, but uh, you know, two two different types of management, but uh, very productive for us. So, um, either either large grains or, or small grains and lots of uh, small insects. So, good duck food either way. Absolutely. So, we're looking at now what we've got. Uh, it's the 18th, so we've got 13 more days left in the season, just under two weeks. Uh, I know we've got some. Um, Public public duck hunt days still going on our category one areas. Um, don't know about weather. What you know, you and I duck hunt. We know that weather is something we like to see. We like to see cold weather because it seems to push ducks in. But it's funny you're talking about blue wings moving back up from Florida, which is also an indicator of warm weather. They just move up and just migration. Um, how right. much does weather affect our category one hunts inland versus coastal in your opinion you know I, I, you know your coastal hunts seem to be pretty consistent throughout the year you know if you, i've noticed past seven years of being on the coast and watching cat one areas pretty intently um you know you'll see pushes of blue wings come and go with winds out of the north and the south throughout the season but you know i think that uh i think that big big cold weather front that we got right there around christmas was was very beneficial for our inland areas and they tend to be a little more weather dependent than our coastal areas Uh, i think our coastal areas get a lot of what we call calendar birds they're kind of coming coming either way no matter what the weather does but uh, our inland areas i think are going to be more weather dependent you know pushing down more more uh, more mallards and you'll see um ring necks come and go on those areas i've actually i've seen a good many black ducks this year on on some of our inland areas some some private places that i hunt um a lot of black ducks too on our on our coastal areas and i think those are usually pretty pretty linked to linked to that good weather that we like to see as duck hunters those good cold weather fronts with those strong winds so i know i took uh took my two nephews the friday before christmas and i think i turned them through into into duck hunters with that, that magical weather we had right there before christmas so. absolutely and black ducks are kind of that special bird for a duck hunter that you don't get to see a whole lot of so it's neat to see those Speaking of the darker birds, your, your model ducks, do you see anything on our model duck take this year about normal? Have we seen any more being taken on our areas this year? Yep, I think I think we're running pretty par for the course, pretty average on our model duck harvest this year. It's always fun to watch watch hunters take those birds because they're you know, located on the coast, not something you can shoot every, everywhere. So people get pretty excited about those. So pretty uh, – Pretty average on our model duck numbers, but uh, definitely seems like the best black duck year I've seen in the past seven years on the coast. So 
um pretty uh pretty fun to watch those guys come in with those birds too so but um always always good to see those guys come out with with a with a prize hmm. so molly on our model duck management just going a little bit further with that we've talked about on the show before i know i've told the number and i think we're probably still there correct me if i'm wrong we're still around what twenty thousand birds for our what we think is our kind of population that's correct. That's correct. Model ducks are, are holding holding pretty steady, right around twenty thousand is our, our best. And estimate. I was and I was telling people, you know, they're very specific on their nest sites. They like points or reeds. They're going to nest over water. They don't use mallard the, the mallard um, uh, tubes. If you put those out, am I correct on that? They're pretty specific. That's right? correct. Yep, that's correct. You know, real, real, uh, real specific nesting birds in the, in the habitats and. In places that you described, but they just they don't tend to take to those uh, those mallard hen houses, those nesting tubes, um, uh, very easily. I've actually I've, I've I've done a study on them, and I, I can't I can't quite get them to take to them. But they love hmm. to hide down in the cord grass and and um, and sand cord grass, really places they can tuck in and hide, and right there on those brackish mm-hmm. impoundments, and do do really really well for it. And for those that may not know, including Phil, because I know you're wondering, Phil, right now what a mallard nesting box is, but mm-hmm. nesting to you basically take wire, like it's not chicken wire, but hard wire, like your welder wire, two-by-four welder wire, and you, you fold it over and stuff it full of straw, uh, wheat straw, and then roll it up and, and clamp it together with hog, uh, hog clips. And um, you basically make a tube of straw that a duck can nest in. They've done some of this in the prairies, and mallards will take to them, but... We've tried it on the coast. I know in a variety of areas, uh, people have, and thinking that model ducks may take to it. It keeps them off the water. You can put a big um, predator ring around it to keep things from getting in the nest, but model ducks just don't take to them. Um, but they've done pretty well on their own, uh, seeing how we have 20,000 together now. And, Milo, we're still doing a pretty uh, pretty robust uh, banding with model ducks, yeah, still, yeah. aren't we? We do some pretty intensive banding of those um, during the summer. We'll catch them during their during their flightless period when they're molting in their wing feathers, and uh, have a, a pretty intensive banding program on them, monitoring populations, and and making sure that we're we're staying steady and and um and doing well with our management there. So really, absolutely. really, really duck unique, looking, interesting bird. Absolutely, and for the duck hunter looking for a band, you kill a model duck, pretty good chance you might get a band. Um, we've That's done pretty right. well with our banding. Um, so. Yep. Well, I know we're getting close. Uh, well, Molly, I have one question. Thoughts? I have one question for Molly before we uh, wrap this up. Molly, cool. head to Go head, ahead. head to head in a duck field. Who's the better hunter, you or Major Downer? Oh man, we <laughs> haven't done that, Phil. That's not fair to ask. <laughs> well, in but theory, I'm willing, right. that cha- it, Molly, I'm willing to take that challenge on. You just invite me wherever you need me to go. <laughs> We'll make it up. We'll make I would it up. be. How about this? I would be a happy loser right next to you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, basically, we'll double back and give you a, give you a report next time. Yeah, that's right. We'll do another report. Phil will have to do that. She and I'll go hunting somewhere. Molly mm-hmm. will take you somewhere nice, and we'll see. I'll benefit from that joke uh, from that um, challenge. But thank you for that. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> be great. Well. You know, as we finish out waterfowl season, one of the things we want to encourage people again is we just talk about the front of the show, talking about uh, making sure you tell somebody where you are. If you're waterfowl hunting, the cold weather particularly, make sure you wear warm enough clothes. I just got back from a trip where make sure your waders don't leak. That's a big thing. I mean, you're just going to get wet and you're going to get cold. And I was that way for three days. 
and I'd have paid any amount of money for a brand new pair of waders. When it's cold, the biggest thing is to stay dry. So check your equipment before you go. Do better than me. Make sure you have plenty of layers. You can take off layers. You can't add. That's one of the big secrets of, of trying to stay warm is to have layers that you can remove if it gets hot. Um, and when it's hot like it is right now, you know, it doesn't look like we're going to have a whole lot of cold weather. But, you know, 30-degree morning can get cold the wind's up. So just try to stay, you know, to layer up, stay dry, uh, and let people know where you're going. Be specific. Tell them where you're going to be and when you plan to return. Guys, thank you. Thank you, Major. Thank you, Molly. SC Wild tonight here on Sports Talk. We enjoyed it. Have a great night.